Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have Dr. Iran Jabidian, CEO of the Pan-African Investments and Research Services and member of the Baha'i Faithful, will be joining us in a short while. And also we do have Councillor Wayne Thring. Councillor Wayne Thring is African Christian Democratic Party Deputy President. Councillor, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, I am. Thank you for having me. And also we do have Reverend Professor Barney Bidjana Paul, former UNISA Vice Chancellor. Reverend, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Naya. Good evening to your listeners. In a short while, we'll be joined, as I said, by Dr. Raja Bidian, CEO, Pan African Investments and Research Services, a member of the Baha'i Faith and representing the Baha'i Faith for tonight. But until then, let's continue with the guests that we do have on the line. The question we're trying to get answered is basically. Which side do we value most when it comes to our political decision making? Do we value political principles or religious principles? Why is it that we find even men and women of the cloth in support of political parties that have in the main principles that contradict their religious values? When we decide on a political party that's going to lead us, when we decide on our leadership, what informs our decision-making? I'm told Dr. Rajabedian is joining us on the line. Good evening to you, Doctor. Good evening to you, Naya, and to panelists and listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, that's, that's a very important question to ask for a country that is supposed to be over 70% its uh, populace claiming to be Christian adherents, and yet it is not a Christian political party, or at the very least, the party that is, that is at the helm of governance has policies that contradict Christian principles. Begs the question, what do we as the electorate consider to be most important? Our Christian values, our religious values, whether you're a Muslim, a Baha'i, a Hindu, a Christian, a traditionalist, it doesn't matter what faith you come from. What do you consider when you're going to put somebody in the highest office of the land, being serve, citizen servant number one? What do you consider? So I'm going to bring our guests to come and give us brief introductory responses to this. Let me begin with you, Dr. Obedian. Uh, what do you find is the biggest consideration, our faith or our political ideology? I, I think from my point of view, uh, the most important crit criterion is the integrity of the candidate to be able to comply with the ethical conduct of the office that is required for serving the people. But our country doesn't Leadership doesn't elect candidates there, Dr. Abedian. Dr. Abedian? Dr. Abedian, our country doesn't elect candidates for to the office. We elect political parties. And only in parliament do we have individuals. And even there, it's almost a foregone conclusion because the majority in parliament will decide on their candidate. So effectively, the populace, the, the electorate that elects at the national election, they don't elect candidates. They elect political parties. Naya, maybe if, could I come in, Naya? Just, just before, uh, Reverend, I'd like Dr. Abedian to give us his response. Okay. 
think that's one of the important uh, questions that as a nation we have to reflect on and if need be make the necessary changes to not collectivize the so-called leadership and and the conscience of the voters need to not be held hostage to a party or to a collective but focus or have the option of focusing on the individuals for whom the the the, the citizen votes so i think that's one of the one of the fault lines of our system at the moment. All right. Reverend, you wanted to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, I think a very simple answer to your question is that certainly there is a disjunct. There is a disjunct between the value system of the majority of South Africans who 70 to 8%, uh, 80% of uh, South Africans claim to be Christian, profess to be Christian. Uh, But when one looks at, as you correctly indicated, when one looks at uh, the political party that we currently have uh, in as the ruling party, uh, and if one looks at the laws that are being passed within the country, they are in to a large extent opposition to those politic uh, to those religious values. So I think certainly there is a, a disjunct. Um, one very clearly can see that. Uh, the African Christian Democratic Party has been a party in existence since 1993, contested all elections, um, and yet we we continue to struggle. Um, and while we are one of the few political parties that has grown, um, but we've we've continued to struggle over the years to grow. So we we continue to debate um, what is it that needs to be done. Um, obviously, I think the challenges that one has had in the past with regards to the indoctrination from the apartheid era, that that uh, the church should not become involved in politics, and those who do become involved in politics to keep church out of it, is is what has continued to influence a large section of our population, where people within South Africa, and Christians in particular, would possibly see politics as a a so-called dirty game or see it as a terrain not to be entered into by by Christians. So all of this still has to be broken down. So there's a lot of education which we as the ACDP uh, believe that needs to take place so that we we do not have what what I would call uh, political schizophreniacs. Within the ACDP, we do not have that particular challenge where our political system, our political ideology or political belief system, political values, um, is not antagonistic to our religious values. So we don't have that uh, political schizophrenia challenge. However, we do see um, other political parties and we do see Christians from other political parties or people of faith who hold to good values, who have to compromise those particular values because uh, the party dictates that this is the view or this is the role of the party. That, that, that that's, a, that's fair commentary, Pastor Thring, but my, my worry is uh, you are a casualty of that schizophrenia that you are talking about. While you may be a Christian political party, but the majority of the people who are supposed to be adherents or at least supporters and voters of yours seem to be leaving you high and dry. And the question is, 
Why would it be so that you are supposed to be the political party that's supposed to garner the biggest support in our country as a country that has the majority in uh, claiming to be adherents of your faith, but still you find yourselves being casualties. You're in the far majority. You're not in the top three no, political parties in our country. I, I, th- I think it's precisely that. Well, we've actually climbed up the, the ranks a bit, so we're actually the sixth largest political party, and maybe it's, it's, a, it's a time process. And perhaps it's the time process because uh, of the of the education that needs to take place um, and the unlearning of what uh, of what was learned in the past that you know Christians should not become involved in politics. So I think that it's uh, possibly a maturing of of the of the the, the democracy uh, that that has not uh, matured to to its full extent as yet. So I think that those are some of the some of the aspects that we as as the ACDP. Uh, continue to put forward. But I agree with you. Uh, the fact that we, we, we do not have the majority that we espouse to, to, uh, to support, and indeed we do, within, within the ACGP, we, we, we offer no apology for who we are. We are Christian. Uh, we hold fast to Christian values. We hold fast to those values which are, are, are godly. We hold fast to ethical uh, transparency, ethical values, transparency, um, and, and that which is, is uh, to uplift the poor. So those particular values are very close to the heart of the ACDP, and I suppose many other uh, uh, faiths. I want to remind you, when and we come we back to you... we don't have those particular challenges of being you know, schizophrenia. Yeah, w- when we come back to you, Pastor Thring, I want you to consider this point, that while those may be wonderful traits to have as a political party, those traits don't seem to be attractive to the people you're trying to attract. And we're trying to establish that tonight. Why is it that the people that are supposed to be attracted to you as a political party that unapologetically Christian, why are they not attracted to you? What is it about your party and all of the Christian formations in our country that makes it averse? People are averse towards your party. Quite frankly, they are attracted to political parties, as you've just said right now, that renders the very electorate to be regarded to be schizophrenic by uh, a pastor, Wayne Thring. Just stand by there. I want to bring in Reverend Professor Barney Pichiana. Good evening to you once again, Reverend Professor. Uh, your take, what, what is it that uh, Christians in this country who are in the majority lends them not to vote for the political parties they're supposed to be voting for, or any other political party for that matter? Because you might find even those political parties that are supposed to be Muslim, they don't have the majority of Muslims voting for them. We do have one in Johannesburg, which has garnered some support that landed them in, in the council, mayoral council, but still they don't have the majority as they would have it, or they don't have a, a consistent support from its, 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 its faith base. Why is that? Naya, fellow panelists and your listeners, let me just make two, possibly three foundational points. The first is that, uh, in reality, the Ordinarily, ought to be no, 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 no difference between what we believe and what we do. They should be interfacing and mutually reinforcing each other all the time. The second thing I want to say is that South Africa, contrary to what some people may believe, is not a, a religious state or a Christian state uh, of any kind. Neither is it a secular state, because the Constitution doesn't use that word secular anywhere. But it is a state bound by democracy, democratic values, and the Constitution. When the Constitution sets values, 
those values coincide with Christian morality, but not necessarily. They are not necessarily Christian values, exclusively Christian values. They are values that are shared by other people of other faith or none. The third thing that I think um, we need to be mindful of, that in this society that claims to have 80% uh, Christians, um, in fact, if, if that was so, then 80% of the criminals in the jails of our country, 80% of the rapists, 80% of every misdemeanor that you find in society would ipso facto be committed by Christians. So, so the truth of the matter is that not extending the espousal of Christian values by some in our communities, Christian values in themselves, do not inform how people behave. And the point really here is an important one to make, except for the ACPP, I think. I can't remember, I can't think of any other party that um, espouses civil service as a religious party, except probably there's an Islamic party that I, I'm vaguely uh, aware of. Al-Jama. I don't know who we have. Yes, we have secular parties. Uh, political parties in our country. But that's not that's not um, a disadvantage in my view, because the truth of the matter is that actually Christian morality, Christian life, there's nothing that is perfect about being a Christian. If you espouse Christian values, you're not saying to the world out there that I'm a, a perfect embodiment of the will of God. All you are saying is that I aspire and I seek to become a child of God, somebody whom God, uh, somebody who is committed to the worship of God, to the realization of the kingdom of God in my kind of theology. So you are not suggesting that uh, you perfect in every respect, because in biblical terms, there was hardly, except very exceptional people, with so-called perfect people of God, they're actually not there. And so, and so to be a Christian is not a signature cue for being a perfect, upright, moral human being. Yeah. You are a human being who lives in the ordinary world among ordinary people who seeks to espouse certain values that are actually important for what you believe, but that are also important for your coexistence with your other men and women in your world. That's what it is to be a Christian. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're suggesting, that, Reverend Professor, that perhaps you are uh, agreeing with Dr. Abidi and that there is a, a sense of schizophrenia within, uh, 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 no, 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 Pastor Thring, rather, that there's a sense of schizophrenia in South Africa where people of faith seem to have a, a, a different relationship with their faith as would be with their conduct. No, 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 I'm not even saying the schizophrenia. I'm saying there are many people who espouse, say, Christian religion, but actually are not Christians at all. Um, and and if truth be told, very few of the people who claim to be part of that 80% are Christian in conviction. Because they, they, Christianity is a, is a social force. It's a, in some respects, it's even a habit. It's a social thing that people do to, get, to, to, to be 
acceptable to others. There are many of the pastors who, who do things in many of our mega churches in this country. As far as I'm concerned, they're not Christian. Um, they may preach or pretend that they are men of God, but they're not in terms of who they are, what they do, what they say with their mouth, but how they interpret scripture can also become a problem. Do you, do, you, do you realize, perhaps, Reverend Professor, you, you may not appreciate the fact that um, while you're saying many of the Christians uh, are not Christian, that applies to any and every movement in the face of the world. In political parties, you'll find them distinguishing between disciplined members and undisciplined members. And the thesis there would apply in the Christian movement, in the Muslim, anywhere you find people, there would be those who are regarded to be disciplined and those who are ill-disciplined, who are therefore less than that which is requisite for them to be uh, of the standard expected in that faith. So that that's not something uh, novel, no, exclusive in the Christian. I'm saying... Christians need to know two things. One, they operate uh, with a measure of humility. Supposed um, to. But secondly, and secondly, they, they recognize that they actually are not perfect. In other words, they live in the realm, in the environment of sin. And prophets uh, in the scriptures have been called to, to sit in judgment over the pious um, religious leaders of their time, and they were saying some very, very hard things about those who claim to be leaders of the religious communities of their time. So judgment is something that visits um, the faithful and those who claim to be men and women of faith as well. All right. I, w- I want to bring in some calls. I want to invite some calls and some contributions to our conversation. 0891 I'd like to hear what you have to say on the matter. Uh, it seems as a while we are South Africans, and when you look at the various uh, surveys and census, uh, they, they tell us that these men and women are Christian but their vote does not follow suit. In in Parliament today, we have the African Christian Democratic Party, we have the African Independent Congress, and we have the African Transformation Movement, the Aljama Party. These are party that's, parties that have professed their faith uh, unapologetically. Uh, the ATM consistently um, is, is identifying itself with the charismatics. We have um, the African Christian Democratic Party. As you've been listening to um, Pastor Thring and, and you, 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 you get that sense that if these political parties are as they claim to be, if you listen to uh, the representative of Al-Jama, they'll be giving you the very same line that we are who we are unapologetically. And yet their adherents, their supporters, their people of faith who are supposed to be members of these faiths don't vote for them. And that's the big question. Why is it that these people... Remember, this is not a question about the political party. Tonight, we're not really talking about the political parties. We're not putting the political party through its paces. It's you and I, people who claim to be people of faith. What's going on with us? What's wrong with our faith? We're going to call ourselves about this faith, and yet we don't vote for these political parties that are supposed to be well leading with our faith principles. I want to read some uh, texts. Those of you who have sent some texts on Facebook, 
Sylvester, can we wa- read some texts, please? One uh, text from Johannes Lieber King writes, Our politicians are... I'd like to hear myself in the process. Uh, uh, our politicians are avoiding to act in uh, EMD8. Not quite sure what that is, Joey. Uh, oh, immediate. Okay, please, let's write English. Not bingo. Uh, immediate, written in EMD8. Okay, let's try and read that again. Our politicians are avoiding to act in immediate effect because they are does who might be exposed and at the same time we have voted and they say we have right what okay uh, Joey can you edit these out I I cannot I cannot read these they don't make sense let me see what Kanyisa uh, Kamela Chuba writes religion is a tool to blind the citizens due to religion people don't fully participate in political issues religion has led our people to being ignorant and to practice negligence on earthly things simply because they have this imagination of paradise in their mind simply because uh, they have an imagination of a paradise and Okay, did you just move my screen there, Joey? Religion has led our people to being ignorant and to practice negligence on earthly things simply because they have this imagination of paradise in their minds. Therefore, they don't think straight. Religious people don't think outside of what they have been informed by the Bible. They're they've blinkers. Religious people know the Bible very well. They can recite it without looking at it. But when it comes to the economy of South Africa, they know nothing. That's Kanyisa Kamela Juba. Oh, Kanyisa Kamela Juba. That's not a true statement there, Kanyisa Kamela Juba. Dare to call. Let's engage. Uh, Jazaveli Bone Gali writes, They are more loyal to an ideology of a political party. That's a straightforward answer. Then Francis Majora Kamanga writes Romans 13, 1 to 4. What does Romans 13, 1 to 4 say, Francis Majora Kamanga? Let's try again. Joe has edited it. I'm hoping it's going to be. Okay, she didn't edit it. Okay, I'm going to leave yours, Johannes. If you can send it again, edit it yourself and say it again, I'll be able to read it. I'm, I'm not able to make sense of what you've written there. All right, so uh, let, let's go back. I, I did say that we're going to bring in again uh, Councillor uh, Thring. Pastor Thring, uh, how is it that with all of the wonderful things you've just said about your party, it seems not to be attractive to your Christian fellows? Naya, uh, again, I think it, it boils down to the influence of, of power. Um, we all know that leadership and power influences and people are attracted to that particular power and people are attracted to the influence that comes with that particular power. Okay. I wish you were present at the, um, the justice conference in which uh, Chief Justice Mukhen Mukhen spoke yesterday, where he chastised, really chastised uh, pastors and leaders in, in the Christian faith who advocate their responsibility to lead as God called them to, um, and rather than doing that, they follow after uh, political leaders who offer them tenders and who offer them positions and so on. Um, and, and so I, I think that certainly the Chief Justice Mukhen Mukhen did not lose his words. Pastor Thring, our line is not... Pastor Thring? Pastor Thring, Pastor Thring, 
Okay, let's let's get Pastor Thring's line. We, we we're struggling to make out what he's saying. There would not be helpful for us to let him speak, and we're not able to hear him clearly. Uh, Doctor Obedient, let's come back to you. Um, you have a faith that is supposed to have a very interesting balance between faith and 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 science, and it seems to be a sober-minded faith that includes and welcomes the ideas of reason and and logic and all of that. The Baha'i faith has prided itself uh, with almost. All the things are supposed to be appealing to the modern voter. And yet you don't find anyone who is professing to be even Baha'i. We don't know if there are any Baha'is in Parliament. If they are, they don't speak openly about it. It seems to be a very tight secret. Is it possible that perhaps being a person of faith in our political sphere is not as attractive to the voter as being uh, otherwise a circular political party? A very good question. Uh, From a Baha'i point of view, uh, the Baha'i faith, in fact, no faith is is a political party, but it's uh, it's about the polity, it's about the welfare of the the people. So from a Baha'i point of view, the very concept of of social structuring, partisan politics, is, is put into question in the sense that the minute that we create parties, we bring about the, the core of creating divisions, creating contestations about who is in power as opposed to how to serve the people and what the structures put in place to govern modern societies in order to take care of the poor, the vulnerable, and so on and so forth. And clearly, the, the, the approach that the Baha'i faith introduces is to rethink social governance, rethink religion itself, because part of the reason why people are uh, professing to be uh, Muslim, Christian, uh, whatever faith they profess, but when it comes to governance of the society, they avoid uh, supporting those parties that are in line with whatever religion it is said, is because people know that the religious organizations and institutions themselves are full of contradictions. They have to rethink religion and replace it with spirituality, with unity and forces of unification and not create these false dichotomies within individuals who when they come to to vote, they they split. They know that if they align themselves with the church or with the mosque or with whatever, and there are problems that side. If they align themselves with the party, they they cause different divisions along partisan lines. So the Baha'i faith says we must go back to the drawing board. We need to think of a, a system, a new system of governance, a new system of internalizing you and I, what religion is, what it's for, and how to govern modern societies. So the Baha'is do not launch political parties because they know that will create more divisions and it will create exactly the type of problem that you have put your finger on. All right, we're going to come back and talk more about the writings because in the gleanings and perhaps not only in the gleanings from uh, uh, the writings of Baha'u'llah, but we could even look into the writings of Abdul Baha in the Star of the West and see perhaps if there is reason to support what the text message writer was suggesting that many people don't seem to be actively involved in and earthly politics because of an imaginary reasoning that would transport their activism uh, to another world. Uh, earthly, useless, and of a heavenly good. We'll come back and talk about that shortly after this. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith.
Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. We're in conversation with three of our guests, giving us some perspective on a very simple question, really. Uh, do South Africans view political leadership outside of the prescripts of religious values and principles? Is it possible that perhaps people uh, don't think that the two are supposed to be the one thing? A very, very important point made there by Reverend Professor Barney Pijana saying, actually, uh, they're supposed to be one and the same thing. But as you see in South Africa, it does not appear so. And then he went on to say, actually, uh, most people who call themselves Christian are not in actual fact Christian. Very big and bold statements there. Let's go back to Dr. Obedian, because I found rather interesting articles that pointed to a reason why the Baha'is don't even participate in politics, uh, which would inform why perhaps we're finding ourselves in this conundrum as far as religious people are concerned and that comment by the text message writer there it reads by the way this is found on the Baha'u'llah's gleanings from the writings of Baha'u'llah page 279 it reads dispute not with anyone concerning the things of this world and its affairs for God hath abandoned them to such as have set their affection upon them out of the whole world he hath chosen for himself the hearts of men hearts which the hosts of revelation and of utterance can subdue that's uh, gleanings from the writings of Baha'u'llah page 279 and also part of the writings of Abdul Baha this is one of the people that is regarded to have the right to interpret the writings of Baha'u'llah uh, from the Star of the West volume 2 page 7 it reads in part religious interests should not be brought into politics Religions should treat off morals, politics of material circumstances. Full stop. Very interesting points to be read from scripture. Uh, first of all, can you just confirm, Dr. Obedian, did I read these correctly and did I represent the text correctly? Absolutely. What you have read is very correct. And of course, uh, the Baha'i scriptures with regard to governance and the interplay of politics and governance is far more complicated and, and, and richer, uh, but that's one element of it. Uh, of course, it should not be seen that the Baha'is are disinterested in the politics, uh, but they are definitely uh, keen to reinvent politics and social governance, as I mentioned earlier on, and uh, that's I'm exactly part of it. Well, that, that, that perhaps might be in contrast to what this written here by Abdul Baha when he says religious interests should not be brought into politics. Why would that be? And it is about not having uh, religious institutions uh, taking charge of, of, of the governance and, and dictating to the politics and dictating to people. Remember, that's the history that humanity has evolved from, where churches or mosques or whatever uh, faith we go to in, in different parts of the world, they were running, and there are in fact some examples as we speak, that they, they take over the government and they take dictating how people should think and how people should choose. And after the house, the religion uh, and, and the state should be separated. Religion should stay as the ethical, moral guide for the society and the society individuals, you and I, then based on our own understanding, need to decide how our society, our community should be governed. This is a different conceptualization of politics, and it's about a revolutionization of, 
of, of new governance through the new age. So they are effectively uh, absent from politics. They they, they, they they are not participating in politics. Am I understanding you well? It means that they are, they are participating in politics, but they are not creating a single party which says this is, we are a Muslim or we are a Baha'i state and the Baha'i state should be governed in this way and everybody should just keep quiet and not contest. But why would they uh, participate in political parties that have faiths uh, or principles that contradict their beliefs? Because as we have seen with many political parties, there is no one political party, uh, especially those that are not uh, religiously aligned, that would espouse views that would be in, in tandem with the beliefs and the views of the Baha'i people, why would they vote for a political party that does not support their views? Why would they contradict their faith in support of a political movement? You see, exactly because of that point that you mentioned, now uh, the, the Baha'i faith encourages its followers in every land to choose the individual whom they think is the closest that's come to the values and, 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 and guidelines, the spiritual principles of their faith. And uh, therefore, they do not vote for the party, they vote for the individual. And uh, when, when partisan politics come in, and then individual Baha'is, not the Baha'is as a collective, individual Baha'is who want to participate in, in the electoral system at a local, provincial, or national level, then they have to say, okay, which party comes closest to my belief? And if I have to discharge my citizens' responsibilities and I have to vote, then I vote uh, the one that comes closest to my belief, as I understand it. Uh, but there isn't a Baha'i party. There will never be a Baha'i party that then I can, I'm obliged by virtue of being a Baha'i to vote for them. Uh, because in the Baha'i dispensation, the, the politics will be restructured, the governance will be restructured, and this false dichotomy that we've created between my belief and which party I should vote will, I'm absolutely sure, will disappear. But we are in transition at the moment, we have these problems. All right, let's bring in again Councillor Thring. Pastor Thring, um, the interesting texts that come out of your scriptures, for example, one text that was slapping me in the face as I was reading it, it's Colossians 3, verse 2. It reads from the New International Version. You can pick any version you like, by the way. This version reads, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What exactly is this verse saying? Is it leading people not to participate? On earthly things, it would appear as though it's calling on people to be politically ignorant. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Absolutely not. What does this mean? I think, I think, I think that if one looks at uh, the, the scripture that you've quoted on setting our minds on things above and not on earthly things, um, the challenge is that sometimes we become fixated on earthly things, um, that that becomes the focus and we forget the reason why we are here. Now, let me tie that into what Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed and taught us in Matthew chapter 6, and he taught us the Our Father, when he prayed, he prayed and he said, Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the responsibility that we have, and we believe within the ACGP, that God has always been involved in politics. That God does not distance himself from politics, neither does he distance, uh, distance those who serve him, uh, from politics or, or call for those who serve him to distance himself from politics. We see this throughout the Bible. Joseph was a political leader. Daniel was a political leader. Moses was a political leader. Joshua was a political leader and so on. So there are many in the book of Judges. Those were all political leaders. 
Um, and so we, we, we do not believe that we, uh, we have to necessarily absent ourselves and just be of, of so I have our minds up in, on, on heavenly things. But Pastor Thring, with, with, with respect, the, the, you're quoting people who had the support of their people behind them, fully unlike your political party. Moses had the support of people all throughout, even Korah and Dathan, who were contrarians, they still followed him when he was moving. I'm referring to Moses now. When Joshua took over, when Caleb and Joshua were in the helm at the helm of the leadership, they had the full camp following them. It doesn't appear to be the same case with you and your political party. And when no, you, I, I agree. I agree. I agree fully. I think that uh, this is what I say. This is what the, the, the disjunct that we actually find within the ACDP. So we fully understand the conundrum which which we which we currently face, and that is that we we have seventy to eighty percent of the population who espouse uh, to be Christian, and yet uh, the ACDP has just gone just just under one percent of uh, of the electoral electoral vote. Uh, it is something that we certainly have to to look at changing, and we believe that one of the one of the ways in which to change it is is via education. But we what what we again are also saying that there is in terms of scripture, scripture in terms of the Bible does not dissuade uh, any Christian from participating in the affairs politically. If one looks at the mandate, Genesis chapter 1, 27, 28, when God created man, image and likeness created he them, male and female, and he says, rule, subdue, and have dominion. So he has the mandate right in the inception that we've been given uh, for, for us to actually have the mandate. The Word of God says in the book of Psalms that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they who dwell within it. It is God's and then Jesus taught, teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, as ambassadors of Christ. Our responsibility is to take the values of heaven, is to take the values of ethical behavior, to take the values of moral behavior, to take the values of being transparent, to take the values of, of speaking on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves, to take the values of... But, but the, the, that, 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 of that, that seems to be far-fetched there, Pastor Thring. Pastor Thring, you, you, I want to remind you of another text I'm sure you'll remember. It's Philippians 3, verse 20. And this is one that knocked me over and left me there. Technical knockout. It reads, and I quote, For our citizenship is in heaven. What? Your citizenship is in heaven? From which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What? That's not true. There's no human being whose citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is here. Is here in South Africa. Why would well, this text suggest not, not otherwise? Unless, not, not unless you have a a, a relationship uh, with Christ, where when we become one with Christ, uh, if any man being Christ, he becomes a new creature. In, in uh, still a South African uh, citizen. Your ID document is still so, South, so, South African, not heaven. So, all right. So, so, so on, in a spiritual at a spiritual level. We need to understand our spiritual position, where we are in this world, yet not even not of this world. So we need to understand that we have this, this spiritual position as being citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, how then ought to, while we are still this earth, we are just crossing over, moving from the How earth, are you citizens of heaven, through, Pastor? And moving, through, and moving through to heaven, we have the faith, the faith that when we pass on, that when we pass on from this earth, we are absent from the body. And then present and present with God. So but you're still present of, of in the body, Pastor Three. So, so citizens of citizens of, of heaven, ambassadors of Christ, just as one would be an ambassador in another country. When you get to that particular country, you represent that particular. You represent your country 
in that particular country. So as citizens of heaven, we represent heaven here on earth. So we take the values, we take godly values. But you've values never been to heaven, Pastor heaven, And we implement that even in the political, in the political realm. We implement those particular values here on earth. And so that particular scripture does not mean that we should not have anything to do uh, with the, the affairs of this world, not at all. But you don't even know the, 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 the country you're representing. If you're going to call yourself a citizen of heaven, yet you've never been there, how would you even claim to be a citizen of heaven? How would you claim to be an ambassador of heaven, and yet you're failing to be a citizen, a responsible citizen of planet Earth here in the Republic of South Africa? You don't. Well, the Bible says, uh, Naya, that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Exactly. But, God, but, but, well, here's the thing, you haven't allowed me to finish. But it says, but God has revealed these things to his children by his spirit. And so... And so the, the, these are these are aspects which come by revelation, and they also come by. Uh, no, no, Pastor Thring, I'm, I'm going to read the text for you in full. Let me take a break. I'll come back, and then we'll come back. I'll read the text for you because uh, we, we need to understand exactly what that text says. Eyes have not seen. When we come back, stand by. Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. I want to bring in uh, Reverend Professor Barney Pitiana, but first I want to read the text that was quoted um, by uh, Pastor Wayne Thring. Uh, with respect, Pastor Thring, that, that text does not say what you suggested it says. I want to read it verbatim. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. And I'm reading again from the NIV. Chapter 2, verse 9 reads, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Take note. We're talking about the actuality of what is happening in South Africa. Uh, Reverend Professor Barney Pijana, we need to have an understanding. Our South Africans seem to be apathetic. And when I say apathetic, I'm referring to the non-activism that is supposed to inhibit, uh, in, in, inhabit those who are uh, people of faith. They're supposed to be as active as Joseph. Joseph in his time in prison was active to the point that he was selected to be second in command. The same applies with Daniel. The same applies with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It would appear as though uh, Christians of today don't have that very same zeal, that very, very same X factor that would cause them to have the following, even that of the world. Instead, we are followers of those who are in leadership, and very few of them are pastors or reverends or men of the cloth and i say this with all the confidence very few of them are why is that thank you Naya. let me let me start by just interjecting in that conversation you had with the pastor you know i think it is it's very important you know when you walk into a library you, you pick up a book you don't expect that book be saying anything that is consistent with the message and the message. Because these are books written by different people in different contexts to communicate different messages uh, in particular ways. Um, they are books written with a particular intelligence, with a particular view of God. 
And that is not the same as it were in continuity from beginning to end. So the Bible, as we have it, is actually a library. And it is important that you understand that the writer was writing in context, communicating a message at a particular point in time. Our responsibility as men and women of faith today is to take that text, interpret it, and apply it where we can in our own situation, in our own environment. Therefore, when we actually go to the to the booth and we cast our vote and we cast our acts, we go there with a mindset that is probably informed by all that we've seen and heard in that book of the Bible for Christians or, or people of the Jewish faith or Islam. We are working with the text that we hear and depending what is most important to you, looking instead in my case, I'm looking and I understand God to be a God of justice. I understand God God to be as a God of justice to be to be um, to be unaccepting of situations of injustice in the world. And and if there may be somebody else whose understanding of God is not about justice, it's about power. And so and so they may be saying that what we need we want a, a political party that exercises power that changes things. The view I have is that the person who changes things, really the, the agents of change, I am the agent of change. I don't expect political parties of any kind to be reflecting and representing my Christian virtue, as I understand it. But I'm the one, as, as, a, as a citizen, and as a, as a Christian citizen, now to get you a to, to the text that we're debating with the constant. Uh, the, the, the biblical language is not literal. It's not easily translated literally. It's about allegories, it's about idiom, and all of that. So when it talks about citizens of heaven, it doesn't say that there is a world out there that is called heaven. When it talks about the kingdom of heaven, it doesn't say there's a, there's a place in the king that is uh, is has a kingdom of heaven. So it, it in fact seeks to apply the way in which our intelligence and our knowledge understands how life is lived in this world and transposes that to a vision of a world where God dwells. And so and so to understand the allegorical nature of how the uh, language of the Bible is used it is always very dangerous to take that language in literary form. That, that perhaps would apply in some context because uh, as theologians, you, you speak of exergesis and then hermeneutics, which gives us some latitude yes. to help us understand what, whatever allegory or imagery is being portrayed there. And it's very interesting that your your hermeneutic there seems to differ with that of Pastor Thring. Uh, from the very beginning, his exegesis appears to be very clinical and actual to the point of devoid of, of applying the ergoical 
aspect that you're presenting and you will seem to be giving a totally different <laughs> hermeneutic there. Is it possible that perhaps even the text itself may have been written for something uh, totally different from what both of you are saying because you don't share exegesis or hermeneutics as far as this text is concerned? Uh, yeah, let me take an obvious example. Yeah. Reverend, please yeah. forgive me. My my my, my time is up. Um, I need to. I, I did not even notice the time there. Engrossed in what we're talking about, it's already eight o'clock, which means I need to cease now and can then stop our conversation. Reverend Professor Bonnie Pigana, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. Counselor Wayne Thring, Pastor Thring, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. And also Dr. Iranja Bedian, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. It's eight o'clock. It's time for us now to part. We'll see you tomorrow between 10 and evening. Until then, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.